you have a Bible, please open up to the book of Proverbs. We're going to be in chapter 4. We've been in Proverbs for a while. If you do not have a Bible, if you'll just raise your hand, one of our ushers will let you have one of ours. If you don't own one, you can keep it. We would love for you to. Please read it. Please apply it to your life. If you have questions, let us know. If you own one, it's just at home. You can just leave it in your seat on your way out. Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to look at the whole chapter today. It's 27 verses. But a lot of it gets summed up in two verses that we'll read to get started, okay? Proverbs chapter 4, we're going to read verses 10 and 11. Listen, my son, accept my words, and you will live many years. I am teaching you the way of wisdom. I am guiding you on straight paths. This is the word of God. So this is going to break out really easily today. This is a very simple message, but it's a crucial message. We're going to look at all 27 verses, and we'll see the verses 1 through 9 go together, verses 10 through 19, and verses 20 through 27. But it's continuing themes we've seen in Proverbs. And I know maybe some of you, it's your first time here. That's okay. This is a great time to get caught up. But for those of you who have been here, you're going to see things start to repeat. You're going to find some themes that we've already been talking about. And that's important because we're building into the back half of Proverbs, really the back two-thirds of Proverbs. It's going to start listing all these sayings and things like that, that, the kind of stuff that people get tattooed or put on bumper stickers or put on your walls at home or all that kind of stuff. But today... We're getting more discipline from a father. We're getting more wisdom from a father. And this all sums up in three words. Listen, accept, live. Listen, accept, live. In verses 1 through 9, we're going to see listen. Notice the first word. Listen, sons, to a father's discipline and pay attention so that you may gain understanding. For I am giving you good instruction. Don't abandon my teaching. Somewhat differently from other sections here, we're getting this father giving instructions not just to a son, but to multiple sons. Now, if you are in here and you're a girl, that doesn't mean you are ruled out. This is the way a lot of Proverbs is pre uh, presented. Don't worry, you'll be excited in a minute when wisdom is once again shown to be lady wisdom, which is, we've already seen. So let's not get too caught up in that kind of stuff. This is for all of us, wisdom for all of us. Pay attention that you may gain understanding, for I'm giving you good instruction, Scripture says. Do you ever go to the Bible and you read Proverbs, you read the law, and you're like, oh, there's just so much here that I... I can't do, and maybe when you think of Christianity, that's what you think of. It's just this list of don't do this, and don't do that, and don't say this, and don't say that. Did you know that life in Christ is actually a good thing? Amen. Did you know that the Lord's wisdom actually gives you more than it's taking away? Maybe when the truth is we do leave behind a lot version about becoming Christian. It's like, this is everything you have to lose. And the truth is we do leave behind a life of sin. We do leave that behind, but y'all, what we gain is so much more that it's not even worth comparing. And here, this father giving instruction to sons and saying, I'm giving you good instruction. Now, I know if you're reading this on your own in the morning, you're like, I wouldn't have focused in on good that much. Just a good reminder for us, okay? Just a good reminder. Don't abandon my teaching, says this father. He continues, when I was a son with my father, tender and precious to my mother, he taught me and said, your heart must hold on to my words. Keep my commands and live. 
Get wisdom. Get understanding. Don't forget or turn away from the words from my mouth. Notice there, he, this father starts appealing to his own father, which would be the son's grandfather. We know how that works. Cool? Okay. So he's saying, I've learned this from my grandfather. They've passed it on to me. I'm passing this on to you. And it's wisdom from the mouth, which means you have to listen. Every preacher in the world is like, yes, this is a great passage because y'all better listen. Some of y'all are like, I'm not a preacher. It's okay. You can be a listener. (gasps) Are we good at listening these days, you think? No? Yes? No? Some of you are like, no, not at all. Some kids in here are like, my mom says I'm not. It's okay. You can listen today. Do we listen when people talk to us? When someone comes up and starts talking to you after church, are you focused in on what they're saying? Are you already thinking of what you're going to say? Are you looking behind them for who else is going to walk up? Face person? It's so that I will, after church, I'll put my hand on your arm or your shoulder. I'm not trying to be weird. I'm very much a personal space person. It's so that I will lock in on you and listen to what you're saying. Okay? Because I, like you, you know, my phone will buzz and I want to check my phone. Or somebody will call me from across the sanctuary. So I want to go over there and see what they're doing. We're not great at listening. And something important with the wisdom of God is that we listen. We need to hear his word. That sounds so simple, but so often we don't do it, do we? We need to listen and hear what's being said. Listen and hear that this is good stuff that the Father is passing on here. Now, we've learned in other passages so far, just to catch everybody up a little bit, that we see wisdom personified here. And we're going to see that in just a moment. So I want to set you up for that as lady wisdom. But we learn in 1 Corinthians 1 that wisdom is actually manifested to us, is shown to us in the person of Jesus Christ. It's made relatable for us. Know that we think that all scripture attests to this. So as we continue and talk about that, that's really what I want you to get. Because this passage, specifically verses 1 through 9, presents life in Christ as so desirable and good. At first, it sounds like this father and grandfather just saying, get wisdom, do what I say, listen. But they're going to give us some really good why do that, starting in verse 6. It says, don't abandon wisdom. She will watch over you. Love her, and she will guard you. Watch over you. Guard you. How does wisdom protect us? You ever thought about that? Does wisdom protect us? If we're saying that wisdom is applying knowledge to our lives with the end, the future in mind, the outcome in mind, then wisdom is going to keep us from doing some things that may cause us harm. Right? Just practically. You know, I can have all the knowledge in the world that it stopped my car. Wisdom is knowing that I'm going to start braking a little bit early so that my car will stop at that stop sign. Yes? Y'all, if you're in here and you run stop signs, quit it. Wisdom is then applying that knowledge that I'm supposed to stop here. So I've got to know when to stop, know how to apply that stopping. That's good for you, because if you don't stop at stop signs, what happens? You get in wrecks, you get in accidents. We call them accidents, but if you're the one running stop signs, it's kind of your fault. Just a little bone to pick here, that's all. It's just an example, though. We apply such knowledge, but the truth is wisdom protects us even supernaturally. Wisdom protects us from Satan. 
Because he's this great accuser, this great tempter. But if we know the word of God, if we've been listening to the word of God, we're protected from his lies. We're protected from his accusations. When he says, you're a sinner, God doesn't love you. We say, no, I'm in Christ. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1 says. Wisdom will protect you from temptation in the world. You know, those obvious kind of sins of like, oh yeah, we don't, we don't want to be, you know, this awful criminal between breaking up families and doing this kind of stuff, stuff that we would all agree is bad, but wisdom helps us decide between good things. We may be tempted to follow a career path that the Lord's not leading us to. We may be tempted to go get a degree that the Lord's not leading us to get. We may be tempted to leave and abandon a local church that the Lord's not leading us to leave and abandon. And the world may say, all those things are okay. Do what's good for you. But wisdom protects us and guards us and watches over us and helps us see we need to choose the way of Christ if we will only listen to wisdom. So wisdom protects us from Satan and wisdom protects us from the world. Wisdom also will protect you from yourself. Wisdom will protect you from yourself, will guard you from yourself. And you say, well, I'm a pretty good person. What do you mean wisdom will protect me from myself? Well, none of us are really good people. I really blew somebody away with this one time. We were, we're standing by a bonfire, and this, this kind girl says, you know, I do what I do because I really just think people are pretty much good. And me being the guy I am, I can't hide anything on my face. So I'm just standing there. And she says, you disagree? I said, yeah. And she said, well, why? And all the things run through my mind where I could point out all this crazy stuff in the news, say so-and-so did this, and this proves human depravity. But you know what I ended up? In God's wisdom, I think in a spirit-filled moment there, I was able to say, because I know my own heart. I know the awful things I think. I know the horrible temptations that I face, but I also know that if I've been listening to the wisdom of God in the word of God, then the spirit of God can keep me from these horrible things that come from directly within myself. Can't blame Satan. I can't blame the world. It comes from my own flesh. But if I will listen to wisdom, wisdom will guard me, will watch over me. You get, get understanding. This brings back to mind Solomon, which is one of the definite authors of um, Proverbs, even listed in chapter one there. Solomon asked the Lord for, but could ask the Lord for anything and chose wisdom over riches, over power. Would we feel the same way? Do we see the value of wisdom in our day? I'm on Twitter, and I don't know how many of you are on Twitter. If you're not, just don't. I, don't, I probably need to get off it anyway. It's a waste of your time, okay? Um, I don't see wisdom valued on Twitter. I see funny quips, right? Or, 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 or kind of digs or, or jabs. That's, that's what's valued. 4.7 says wisdom is supreme. So get wisdom. And whatever else you get, get understanding. This does call us back to a core verse that we've been saying the whole time, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Remember, knowledge and wisdom in the book of Proverbs, interchangeable here. If we are saying that Jesus embodies wisdom, then we need to know the Lord. We need to enjoy God. We can rightly say that wisdom is supreme because we see it as his wisdom. The father continues here with more good things about wisdom. It says, cherish her and she will exalt you. If you embrace her, she will honor you. Listen to those words. That's intimate, right? Cherish her 
embracer. I already said earlier, I'm a personal space person. That embrace person? I don't know about all that. But y'all, if the idea is embracing wisdom, why? Because she will exalt you. She will honor you. That's, that's good news, right? Verse 9, he continues, she will place a garland of favor on your head. She will give you a crown of beauty. Now understand, I, I think some of these, particularly in verses 8 and 9, are not necessarily from a worldly standard. Remember, wisdom is the application of knowledge with the end in mind. So don't hear me say um, the ends always justify the means and like as long as the end works out, then you can do whatever in the meantime. Like, no, I think God cares about and what the end is. But my point is that when this speaks of favor and a crown of beauty, these are benefits the world around you may or may not see. These are benefits that you may find in relationship with the Lord and in knowing him and in enjoying him. These are things you will ultimately find in his presence with his people eternally in his presence. They may not be things today that necessarily get you applause. Does that make sense? I don't want you to read these verses today and go, man, if I'm just wise, then everything in my life is going to work out just like I want it to. Because if that's what you get today, you missed everything. Because Jesus was perfectly wise and they crucified our Savior. Verses 10 through 19, we find what we need to accept. So we see, listen, now we have accept, right? Verse 10 says, listen, my son, accept my words and you will live many years. Did you notice those three words right there? Listen, accept, live. I I didn't just make this stuff up, y'all. It's right here in the book. This, This isn't that hard, okay? Wisdom, I am guiding you on straight path. These verses 11 through 13 really do show us the way of wisdom, which I think is maybe our whole series title anyway. If you didn't know, The way of wisdom, when we talk about it, does get spoken of in Scripture as a path. But we also get told by Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and the life in John 14, right? So the way of wisdom is a person. It's following after Jesus. But here in verses 11 through 13, we get more description of it. It already says the straight path in verse 11. It says, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Don't let go. Guard it for it is your life. Verse 12 jumps out to me big time today. Those of you who don't know, yes, I'm going to talk about myself for just a moment. My wife and I ran a half marathon yesterday. It's okay. Hold your applause. I can't believe I did it either, but I'm glad I did it with her. When I see this though, this is what I think of because when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. Y'all, my worst fear in running that thing was when we're in the last mile, I'm like, I'm going to trip and fall. I'm not going to make it. And this is going to be the worst that run that far, y'all. If you've run 12 miles, all you could think about is just get me to that line. Okay. This says very plainly, using a metaphor here, when you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. You will be able to walk down the straight path of wisdom and it will be a good path for you. Hold on to instruction. Don't let it go. Guard it. Notice what it says, for it is your life. Not it's part of your life, not it's helpful for your life. Paul's words come to mind for me, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Have you ever thought about that phrase for a minute? Not to live is to be like Christ or is just to think Christ is cool, but to live is Christ. That means if you are united with Christ by faith, that you are hidden with Christ and that your life is no longer yours, but it is now Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
This is the invitation. You see how this father is pitching this as such a good thing? Come down this straight path where, where you'll find good footing. Come follow Christ. Out in verses 14 through 17, it says, the opposite way is not good. And that's what the father tells us about in verses 14 through 17. It says, keep off the path of the wicked. Don't proceed on the way of evil ones. Avoid it. Don't travel on it. Turn away from it and pass it by. For they can't sleep unless they have done what is evil. They are robbed of sleep unless they make someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Understand, we're calling this section accept, right? Not accept, E-X-C. Somebody asked me this earlier. Accept, A-C-C. I'll have to pardon the accent. I am from Alabama. We are accepting this way of wisdom that we have listened to in the first part, right? So when you accept something, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. I often like to get lunch with people. Several of you in here, we've gotten lunch before, or I've asked you to, and you still haven't called me back. When you say yes to get lunch with somebody, you can no longer say yes to anyone else who asked you to go to lunch at that time. Unless like, oh, you're both so booked. Which if you're me, that is a terrible feeling. Have you ever done that to somebody? You're like, oh, you're both so important. You're heading to lunch with one and you get to text somebody else who says, I'm already here. And you're like, no, it's bad. Because saying yes to one thing means saying no to something else. And when we say yes to the way of wisdom, we say no to the way of the wicked. We turn away from death and sin and we turn toward life, abundant life and joy and peace and comfort and eternal happiness in Jesus Christ. The words here, particularly in this section, remind us or should remind us, should call us to Psalm 1 and Joshua 1. Because here we're, we're seeing this dichotomy of good and bad and somebody walking a good path and not walking an evil path. Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight... Day and night, sorry. He meditates on the Lord's instruction day and night. He meditates on the law day and night. That is actually pulling from Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8, the Lord telling Joshua what he's going to do. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever. If you have read the whole... Just going to throw this out there. If you have read the whole Bible, how is keeping all of those laws and doing all the right thing all the time going for you? Pretty good, huh? Just nailing it? Got anybody who's like, yeah, I'm doing it. Because as soon as that guy raises his hand, if he's got a wife, she can be like, put your hand down. <laughs> Y'all, none of us fit this standard. We don't live up to it. These passages, this, this one here in Proverbs, in Psalm 1, the one in Joshua 1, are pointing us to the promised seed of Eve, the promised Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. This is pointing us to the one who did perfectly walk the straight path. If you've been doing any kind of Advent reading, you've been reading about John the Baptist, who comes before Jesus and proclaims his way. And what does it say of him? But he's going to make his path what? Straight. Jesus comes and walks a straight and wise path. And again, point to you that as he walked the path of wisdom, it led to the cross. Verses 18 and 19, it says, The path 
of the righteous is like the light of dawn, shining brighter and brighter until midday. But the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. In preparing for this sermon, I thought about these two verses so much because verse 18 really jumped out to me. It just sounds super positive and uplifting. I was, I was trying to think like, is there something I'm missing here? It seems deep, but on shining brighter and brighter until midday. Doesn't that just sound nice? And I was like, what does it mean shining brighter and brighter until midday? And then I realized the, the key to understanding the Bible is to keep reading. And it says, but the way of the wicked is like the darkest gloom. They don't know what makes them stumble. That last line right there, I think, is really important to understanding the verse before. As you start down the path of the wise, at first, you may just be able to see a little flicker of light in your life. You're leaving the darkness behind. But as you walk that path, you learn the ways of wisdom. This becomes who you are. You are transformed more and more into the likeness of the Son, Jesus Christ. And the light shines so that you can see where you're going. And if you're walking in darkness, notice what it says, they don't know what makes them stumble. Ever get up in the middle of the night, you're thirsty, you think, I'm going to go downstairs, get a drink of water, maybe you're going across the hall to the restroom, whatever you're going to do, and you trip over something? It's the worst feeling, y'all. Some of y'all, you may have kids around, you step, at least it feels like it. Then you got to go to the emergency room because everybody knows up on something, you stub your toe and you're like, oh, what did I hit? That must have been like a 40 pound weight. And then you look and it was like your tennis shoe. And you're like, oh, okay. The point is you're stumbling over stuff and you don't even know what it is because you're not walking in the light. You're walking in darkness. And if you've been trying to walk apart from Christ, if you're here today and you don't know about all this Christianity stuff, you just came with a friend, you came in because it's the Christmas season, you thought, ah, I need to be in church. I hope today that you will do these first two things of listen and accept so that you may live. In the light, you can walk and you can know happiness and joy and comfort and peace, but in the dark, you will continue to stumble and you won't even know what you're stumbling over. You ever felt that? When you're in a place of sin, maybe before you were a Christian, if you are in here, brothers and sisters, where you just felt like everything was piling up on you, you just felt like everything you did, you tripped and fell, and you kept finding yourself face planting on the ground, but you didn't even know what was wrong. It's the sin which clings so tightly to us, Scripture says. Which here talks about you're supposed to leave it behind. Now, the, the language here talks about light and dark, which for some like me who are fairly nerdy, makes us think of Star Wars, which comes out this week. <clears throat> Whether you're excited or not, it does. You have the light side and the dark side, right? And I love this, I, this picture of come to the light side and, and, and come to walk in this brightness that is going to get brighter and brighter until midday. Because I was thinking about these verses, you know what came to mind? Jesus on the cross. If, if you didn't know this, in, in Matthew 27, 45, it says, from noon until three, while Jesus was on the cross, in the afternoon, darkness came over the whole land. We are promised that if we walk in wisdom, we'll walk in light until midday. It goes to the cross in our place, takes on our sin, takes on our darkness for us at the cross. He was on the cross in darkness so that we could now live and walk in the light of life, in his light, 
that shines in the darkness. The darkness does not overcome, John says. Live, accept, and live. Right, listen, accept, and live. I don't even know my own three things now. Listen, accept, and live. These final verses, verses 20 through 27, really show us what it means to live. You may hear that and say, okay, so you mean eternal life? Yes, but also more than that. In these verses, we find what I'm calling the anatomy of wisdom. The anatomy of wisdom. If you're a Grey's Anatomy fan, this has nothing to do with that. Verse 20 says, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider to the path for your feet, and all your ways will be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your feet away from evil. Did you notice that what the Father is calling the sons to here is very holistic of the life? Did you notice all the different body parts being mentioned? So I call this the anatomy of wisdom. You have listen, sight, heart, um, body, mouth, lips, eyes, feet. It's all just right there if you just let your eyes even scan over it. What he's calling him to isn't just saying, hey, I need you to make some better choices in your life. No, what the father's calling the sons to is a radical change, a transformation, a whole new way that's going to inform every aspect of your life. When the Bible mentions heart, like it does in verses 21 and 23, it's often talking about the center of us. Today, you may think of that more as the mind, but, but the idea is, is your whole person within your, who you are. It tells us to keep these words within your heart. Guard your heart above all else. Single person here today, is that something you've been striving to do is to guard your heart? And not just something you're saying or putting on a card like to hang in the bathroom or something, but like something you're actually actively doing? Psalm 119, 9 through, 11, 9 through 11 tells us how we can do that. It says, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Y'all, we need the word to inform our hearts so that our eyes and our mouths and our ears and our hands and our feet, if we're not spending time in the word, if we're not spending ex- extended periods of time in God's word and letting it fill us up, then of course we're going to continue to fall into darkness. Oftentimes when I check on a brother and sister, they tell me things are just going bad. I'll ask them really basic, like what a doctor would ask. I'm like, well, are you sleeping at night? Are you exercising? What have you been eating lately? Those things factor in. But spiritually, when I check on them, I'll say, how's your time in the word? Have you been spending time in prayer? And some of you, brothers and sisters, have been very kind and open with me to say, it hasn't been great lately. And it's interesting, not at all shocking, but interesting, how when we're not abiding in Christ, he is divine and we are the branches. When we're not abiding in him, how hard it is and how dry we feel, how hungry we are, how difficult everything seems to be. Maybe you've gone through seasons like that, Christian. 
Maybe you've had times where you're in the word and you notice that your friendships and your relationships were better. Your time at work, you were glorifying God in the way that you worked and the way that you got things done. Maybe the way you thought about your money was even slightly different because you didn't worry about it, but you thank God for what you do have. You thought about how to glorify him with what you do have. But then, you know, life gets busy, right? Here on December 15th, 2019, I'm sure no one is busy at all during the holiday season. Not us, not in America. No, it's okay. I know you've been checking your phone, checking your emails while I've been sitting here. Because we can't stop for some reason. For some reason, we're okay being busy with work. We're okay being busy with family commitments. We're okay being busy with Christmas parties. We're okay being busy binge-watching a Netflix show. But if we say, it would be really good for you to carve out some time and spend some time in the Word every day, what do we say to each other? Ah, I'm just too busy. Are we too busy to spend time with a God? Time with us? No, when you come to God, he's not just going to look at you and say he's disappointed in you. If you are in Christ, he's going to welcome you in. He's glad to see you. Will you come back to him? Will you come back to his word? Do you know that we only find life here? In John chapter 6, verses 66 through 69, we find this great exchange between Jesus and his disciples. The verses say, from that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. So Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom will we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Do you sense that when you think of Jesus Christ? Or is this just some theoretical category for you? And you'll say, where else will I go? Is Christ your everything? Does he inform your feet and your hands and your mouths and your eyes and your ears? Are we glorifying him with all those things today? Mark 12 30 and 31 says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. It goes on to say, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Did you hear that? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. If we just did a little pop quiz today, and I asked you how you're doing on that, how would you grade yourself? How would you grade yourself? Now, the good news, the good news that I absolutely want you to hear perfectly, he's the only one who's ever lived his whole life where we fail and fail and fail. He has done this perfectly. He's the only one who's ever lived his whole life loving God as he should and loving people as he should. And in our own strength, we could never live the holy lives that Jesus did. Understand, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus perfectly walked the path of wisdom from which we often stray. It's a straight path, and yet we go to the right, we go to the left, we go up, we go under, we find all different ways that we're going to try. But Jesus, in his substitutionary death on the cross, Jesus showed us that godly wisdom will often look like foolishness to the world. 
But in his victorious resurrection, he showed us that godly wisdom is the only way to truly live. If if the thrust of these passages are listen, accept, and live, then please hear the first part. There is no way to live except in Christ. He alone is the wisdom of God. There is no way to truly and abundantly live. There is no way to fulfill your purpose, to live the life that turn away from sin and turn to him. That you should live. Not so that you'll be shackled by man-made religion or by tradition or by just what you can't do all the time, but so that you can live abundantly. So that you'll have wisdom to make daily decisions on, on what to say when your family member says something crazy next week. This is practical stuff, y'all. And I want you to see that when we talk about these eternal things, they're not just things up here that we write in theory. These are things that affect us right now and affect everything we do. Only Jesus did this perfectly, but if we will trust in Jesus today, then we can and should glorify God with the entirety of our lives. You see, Something important that stands out here in this whole chapter to me is that wisdom is shown in what we do, not just in what we say. Have you received wisdom in Christ? Will you today if you haven't? If you have, will you look to him again? Listen, accept, and live.